what does Psalm 23 tell us we have? Because we have Jesus as our Savior. Well, first of all, it tells us that we have the assurance of an ever-present God. We have the assurance of an ever-present God. Notice what the text says. And you can open your Bibles, by the way. We have it there, but please, I know and encourage you to look at it in your scriptures as well. You might want to underline or make some notes. The word is the Lord. It's a Hebrew, Yahweh. Uh, in the Hebrew, there, when originally there were no um, vowels, and so it was just the consonants Y-W-H, Yahweh. It means, and he explains it actually in Genesis 6, that I am who I am. It means the one who is always present. I am the one who has always been present and will always be present in the future. This is what they say is the personal name of God. The Jews call it the tetragrammaton. Now, you don't have to remember that for a test. But this was a name that was reverenced by the Jews to such an extent that they would not pronounce it themselves. That's why they came up with a hybrid name they called Jehovah to express this name that is made up of two names of God. Actually, titles. It's not really names, but titles. This was the name God used to establish his covenant relationship with, with his people. And it was first revealed to Moses at the burning bush event, the episode there at the burning bush. It was a covenant that was based on loyal love, a relationship that assured faithfulness of God to provide and keep his people that he loved at all times. It's a covenant name. It literally means he exists or he is present. The idea then is that Yahweh or Jehovah is the one who is present to help and act on our behalf at all times. There's never a time that was, that is, or will be when God is not there to help us as our shepherd. The emphasis then is on the active participation for us because of the fact that he is always present with us. He is always at our right hand. He is always near. Yahweh is always there for us. As I mentioned, this was the name that revealed to Moses at the burning bush in Exodus 4. It is retold in Genesis 6, where he tells Moses that he appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob by the name of El Shaddai, God Almighty, but by my name, Yahweh, I was not known to them. This is the first time he's using it in this relationship. In Exodus 3, in Exodus, he explains that Yahweh means I am that I am, meaning that he is the one who has always been and will always be. There never was a time when he was not. There will never be a time when he will not be. This is all in response to the question Moses asked, God, when he said, go and stand before Pharaoh and let my people go. Moses said, who should I say has sent me? That's the context that this name was first used in or revealed in. So what does God say? God says, tell him that I am that I am. 
who sent you. What is God saying to it? He's saying to Moses, who is reluctant to go before Pharaoh, the mightiest king of all at that time, to tell him to let his people go. What was he saying to Moses? Moses, say this to him, that the one who sent you is right here with you. That's the one who sent you. The one who's here. What was he doing? He was trying to calm Moses' fears of standing alone. Not having all that is needed to stand before this mighty king. So, God says to him, Yahweh says to him, Tell Pharaoh that the one who sent you is standing right here with you. Isn't that assuring? Wonderful here. He was given Moses assurance of his presence standing before this mighty monarch of all times. That's our God, my friends. He is always with us. And this is the main focus of the psalm. Throughout the psalm, this is the truth that comes again and again and again. Our God is with us. Sometimes we need to be reminded of that fact. But more than that, if we need more than that, we have the privilege of a personal guide. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. He belongs to me. My shepherd. This is great because in John 10, Jesus reverses and says, you're my sheep. But now it's my shepherd. This God, ever-present God, belongs to the one who places faith in him. Yahweh, the ever-present God, is my God. He belongs to me. Right at this very moment, as he was writing it, the same God who was present with Moses when he stood before Pharaoh is with me. Isn't that great? He's with me. That's what David is saying. Right now, he is my shepherd. A personal relationship is indicated. And so, friends, whatever we say now about the shepherd, if you have not yet placed faith in Jesus Christ, these things don't refer to you. We're only talking about things that people who place faith in Jesus Christ have. If you have not yet placed faith, in, no matter how much you know about him, but if you have not yet placed faith in him, he is not your personal shepherd. You cannot say, my shepherd. You could say the Lord is the shepherd of his people. But if you've not placed faith in him, you cannot say he's your shepherd. And so we lovingly invite you, right at the offset, to place your faith upon this ever-present God who has based a relationship with you on his love, his care, and his protection. But the idea here is my shepherd... Yahweh is constantly shepherding me. It's an ongoing thing. It never stops is the idea. Why? Because Yahweh is always there. And he was always there doing his job as a shepherd. He's doing it all the time. There's never a time that he stops. Do you understand that? There's never a time that he stops. The Lord... Yahweh is my shepherd. 
The word shepherd means literally a feeder, one who feeds. A shepherd is one who feeds his sheep. David is saying, Yahweh, the ever-present God, is my very own personal feeder who keeps on feeding me what I need all the time. He's alluding to both the past, the present, and the future. There has never been a time when my shepherd has not been feeding me. He is feeding me now, and he will always be feeding me in the future. There will never be a time when my shepherd will not be feeding me. Isn't that great? Never. Yahweh is constantly feeding me. That's why he could say, that we have the security of perpetual provision. We have the security of perpetual provision. Notice what it says, I shall not want. Or some Bahamians would say, I ain't going to ever be needing nothing. You see, it's like a double negative here. He's emphasizing a point. I never ain't going to need nothing. It's a strong statement of negation. I shall never be lacking anything. How can we ever be lacking anything? If Yahweh, the God who is always present and will always be present, and he will be doing his ministry of feeding, how can we lack anything? Never have a lack. Because Yahweh is my shepherd. David is saying that his shepherd provides the basic necessities of life. And underline that, the basic necessity. He's not talking about your wants or your desires, but your basic necessities. He says it here. He provides food. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He provides water. He leads me beside the still waters. Both food and water, the basic elements of life, for life's sustenance, have always and will always be provided by Yahweh God. These are absolute necessities, and you have the absolute certainty that your shepherd, if you have him, will always be providing them. He makes me to lie down. It means that the shepherd causes him to stretch out a response on the ground. Now you say, well, the sheep don't lay out on the ground. But it's a picture here of restful repose. And one is just taking in all that God has given him in a relaxed, safe position and attitude. Beautiful picture here. Green pastures means lush succulent grass, juicy grass, the best you can find. His shepherd chooses the best grazing ground possible. And the tense in the passage emphasizes that this is the continual, ongoing experience 
I say again, the good shepherd is always doing this, not just once in a while. He's always doing it. Why? That's because his nature. His nature is to feed his own. And as we'll see, to neglect, to not do his job as a feeder will deny his very godness. God cannot be God and not take care of a sheep. This is an idyllic picture. It's presented of a, of a flock of sheep lazily and contentedly reposing while eating of the lush grass and drinking of the cool, placid water. Carnation's contented cow has nothing on the sheep that follows Jesus. The point being made here is that our shepherd provides all the basic necessities of life and we could rest in that truth. We could rest, we could be at peace in that fact. He leads me beside the still waters. Here's another illustration of the care and protection of our shepherd that he, and that he provides for us on an ongoing basis. It is said that the sheep fear. In fact, they cannot drink from running water. It is said that the sheep must drink from placid, calm waters. And our shepherd knows that. He doesn't feed us anything that gives us fear or puts us in the position where fear is experienced when he provides. But rather, it's in the context of contentment and satisfaction. We can trust our shepherd. The good shepherd always leads his sheep to safe and secure places to meet their basic needs. Beloved, please listen carefully. This is divine assurance that if we have Jesus as our shepherd, savior, and we trust him as such, we need not fear any economic turn down that may come our way. None, if our faith is in Yahweh, the shepherd who feeds us continually. Now I am aware of the fact, because we've already had the experience in talking to some, that some of our members are experiencing unexpected loss of income right now. Some will do so in the near future. All the signs are there for that to happen. But remember, God uses what I call the fat and lean principle in our lives to provide for us. The fat and the lean principle. Remember Joseph? He saved up in the fat years to take care of what? The lean years. In other words, our shepherd gives us more than we need at times so that we could store up for those times of lameness that may come. And by the way, he will even lead us through those lean times. You understand what I'm saying? He will also lead us through those lean times. By the way, we are experiencing that right now in our church's income to a certain degree. We have never operated, well, let me put it this way, let me back up. We have not operated in the red here at Calvary for over 10 or 12 years, in the red. We've always had our needs met. And in spite of the fact that in Economic changes have caused some of our people to give less than they were given in the past at the time. 
we're still not doing ministry in the red. Some folk have got the idea from the meeting Sunday that we're in the red. We are not in the red. We're simply not having the same income that was there in the fat years. Are you understand what I'm saying? But we're not in the red. In other words, our shepherd is still providing. He always has and he always will. The only thing that will short-circuit his supply for us if, if, is if we use his resources foolishly. In other words, if we take the resources that he has given us in the fat years and use it foolishly by not following him in the path of righteousness and using it for our own, then we might experience some leanness. Why? Because we're not following in the path of righteousness. Do you understand what I'm saying? Don't blame God if we use our resources foolishly. That's why I like the maxim that says, God's work done God's way will never lack God's supply. That's the teaching of this magnificent psalm. And it applies to both the individual as well as the church corporate. God always supply our basic needs. But our ever-present, always supplying shepherd does something else. He provides revitalization of body and soul. The scripture says, he restores my soul. And how we need that when things get tough. Amen? We need the touch of the shepherd to revive, to revitalize, to restore our vitality. The literal translation of this could be, he refreshes my entire being. He refreshes my entire being. The illusion is to a sheep traveling through the heat of the day to and from its grazing grounds, being completely refreshed and revitalized because of the careful planning of the good shepherd. At just the right time, he supplies what is needed to refresh and to restore strength. In other words, Is that God calling someone? <laughs> the illusion is to a sheep, I say, traveling through the heat of the day to and from its grazing grounds, being completely refreshed and revitalized because of the careful planning of the shepherd to lead him to an oasis where all that we need to be restored, revitalized, is bountifully supplied by our ever-present Savior and Shepherd. Beautiful picture, but something else here. In this passage about what we have when we have Jesus as our, as our Shepherd, he provides proper direction in life as well. It says, he leads me in the path of righteousness. He leads me in the path. Of, now, this is going on all the time. There's never a time when Jesus does not lead us in the path of righteousness. 
This simply means that he leads us and directs us in the right way all the time where we can find physical sustenance and revitalization. Listen, beloved, Jesus never leads us to do that which is hurtful or damaging to anyone at any time. If ever we go off the trail and try to hurt someone, to damage someone, you are not following in the path of the Good Shepherd. You're going in your own path. He only leads us in the path of doing what is right. And so whenever you do anything that's hateful, spiteful, revengeful, you are walking your own path and not the paths of righteousness that the shepherd leads us in. He never leads us to take revenge, to retaliate or take our spite out on any way. So you can be sure that when we engage in any of these actions that we are not being led by the Savior. I don't care what reason you do it. You're not being led by the Savior. Because as we'll see, there's another shepherd out there who's trying to get us to follow him. How do you know when you're following that other shepherd, that hireling? It's when you get off the path of righteousness of doing that which is right. As I have emphasized in recent messages, the members of our body are to be used to behave righteously, not unrighteously. Present the members of your body as instruments of righteousness to God. When we use them for any other purpose, we are committing spiritual adultery. These members belong to our Savior. Our bodies are to be used to do those things that our provider, protector, shepherd directs us to do as we follow along behind him through the pathways of life. Let's make sure we stay on that pathway. The psalmist next reveals the underlying reasons why the good shepherd does these things for his sheep. And what a surprise it is. Notice what he says. He does it what? For his name's sake. Isn't that a surprise? You would think he's doing it for you. This psalm is not really about the sheep. This psalm is about the shepherd. It focuses on who he is and what he does because of who he is. And so for his namesakes, it means to preserve or to protect his own reputation as a shepherd. To put it in the context of the day as a professional shepherd. If our Savior, if Yahweh fails, and of course even saying this is silly because he can never do that, but I guess we have to say it. If he fails to care properly for his sheep, he will lose his reputation and in the context of that day, the means of his livelihood. In other words, if he doesn't care for a sheep the way he should, it wouldn't look good on his resume. Someone could point, oh no, look at that sheep over there. I remember. And he went and his basic needs were not met. He went, he had to grovel and he had to plead and do all of these if, he could, if, if, if he, someone could point to somewhere where that actually happened, where a sheep that belongs to Jesus had not his basic needs met, Jesus would lose his reputation.
Listen carefully, beloved. Jesus is bound to care for us because of who he is. He cannot go back on his word. He is not a politician who promises and does not deliver. He must keep his word. He has to keep his word. If he fails to do so, he would not and cannot be God. The very godness of God depends upon his faithfulness to us. Cannot go contrary to who he is. And so what he does, he does first and foremost because of his own reputation and his own glory. For him not to keep his promises or live up to his reputation would be to deny his very godness, that which makes him to be God in the first place. Listen, friends, listen carefully now. God is jealous of his reputation. I repeat. God is jealous of his reputation. He has to be if he is God. And that regardless of what Oprah says. God is a jealous God. Jealous for his own reputation, his own nature. God. If he wasn't jealous, he couldn't be God. Is there anyone, anything greater than God? Of course not. To deny us, his sheep, would be to deny himself. And he says he cannot do that. He cannot, will not. He's impossible for God to deny himself. And he is our feeder. That's who he is. David alludes to this in the next verse. Where he says that when we have Jesus as our shepherd, we have the security of perpetual protection. The two things here. First, let's look at the extent of the danger that we face along with our guide. He says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Now some of you are going to be a little disappointed as I go down this way. Because many of us have been brought up with this psalm is talking about when we die and when we go to heaven. But friends, this psalm actually talks about when we live on earth. That's what it's talking about. That's the main focus. All right? And I want you to see that. Because see, some of the things we look forward to the future, he has already given us. It's here for us to enjoy now. Not only get there, whatever that. Actually, heaven, well, let me go on that one. Because actually, heaven is here later on. Right? I better talk about that one sometime as well. All right. Yea, do I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. He is saying that his shepherd, this good shepherd, provides guides and protects him remember this is from the sheep's perspective protects him even to the very point of death in other words no matter how extreme the situation may be Yahweh is still there doing what? guiding, protecting supplying even in times of he's right there with us our shepherd is right there, experiencing these things with us and helping us through them. Now, please remember this as you face the economic crunch that we have already entered into. Please, beloved, don't allow the devil to force, to deceive, or to persuade you to do things that are dishonorable. 
things that are unrighteous, things that are illegal, or things that show a lack of faith in God in order for you to meet your own needs as you perceive them to be. If you do so, you'll get off his path. Follow him in the paths of righteousness. No matter how difficult, he'll still meet your needs. It's only when you get off that path. The truth about our shepherd, this truth about our shepherd is so assuring to the psalmist that he even explains it. Notice he says, there's a degree of assurance. He says, I will fear no evil. This is another strong negation. I don't care what it is. I ain't care. I ain't afraid because Yahweh, Yahweh, my shepherd, protects, provides, and comforts me. I will fear no evil. Now, this word evil does not necessarily only mean wrong or sinful actions, but also when we face calamity, unexpected negative events, whatever it is that may bring apparent chaos and distress in our life. That's for the kind of evil he's talking about here. The psalmist says, with my shepherd besides me, I have no fear whatsoever. I know that we, I know that we, I know that we can overcome them all. What a blessed assurance. Do you have it? You can only have it if you have Jesus as your Savior. That's exactly what David says is the reason for his assurance. Notice the next it says, For thou art with me. Notice that? The emphasis on the you, the thou. You, who? Who are you? Yahweh. The ever present feeder, protector, supplier. He's with me. You are with me. Do you get it? You are with me. Not off someplace in the mountain we got to search for, go look after. He's right there. He's right there with me. So I don't care how extreme, I don't care how difficult the situation may be, I am not alone. Yahweh, my shepherd, is right there. Beloved, take a moment to experience that. Become aware of Yahweh's presence with you right now. With me, never to leave. Now, I, I mean, really now, if we have Jesus, what or who else do we really need? is the personal embodiment of the supply of all of our basic needs. All of them. No exceptions. And he's telling us that we will never, he will never see any of his sheep begging bread if they are following him in the path of righteousness. Never. Never see him begging bread comes to the necessities of life.
life if you're following his pathway. Never, never, never. That's the assurance of the psalm. Now he goes on to explain how our shepherd does all of this. He says, thy rod. That's for protection. Thy rod. This was a piece of hard, strong wood. Usually four to five feet long. Some had knots on them, you know, where the branches meet into the thing. It was a piece of defensive equipment of the shepherd. He used this to fight of the predators who might come to prey upon the sheep. As the sheep followed the shepherd along the trails. The shepherd would fight to the death to protect his sheep as he went looking for suitable pasture. As we'll see when we look at John 10, this is exactly what Jesus says. He says, I give my life for the sheep. I give my life. This tells us that our shepherd does not only provide food for us, he provides protection for us from all of the enemies, whether they come from without or within. He provides protection. He says, thy rod. That's a defensive piece of equipment. When he says, and thy staff. Now this is used for guidance and for rescue. This was a somewhat longer wooden staff that he bore. Normally they would put the they would put the rod into a belt type of a thing and walk with the staff. It was a wooden staff with a curve or bend at the end of it. It was used to guide the lambs or any sheep that would wander off from the, from the flock. He, he, it was done very gently, but with enough pressure to get them back in line with the rest. It was there. He didn't take the staff and beat them. He just took it and guided them. He had to do it with some force sometime to get them back on the right track. And as we'll see when we talk about the application to church and even to our homes, that's what we have to do sometimes with our children. And that's where we have to see the difference between punishment and discipline. This staff was not an instrument of punishment. It was discipline, getting them back into the right way, you see. That's what Jesus does for us. That's what our Savior, when we start to walk off and he sees us, he comes and he nudges us. Uh -uh. Get back in line. Get back in line. Walk on the pathway. But then sometimes some of us fall over a ledge, a precipice. We fall in our faith. This is where revitalization and restoration comes in. And so he reaches over and with that little staff. He puts it on a neck or under the two front feet and it gently lifts them back up and he puts them on the pathway again. Protection, rescue, guidance. That's what he does for us as we follow him. Tells us we're going to have all kinds of experiences. But listen, our shepherd is right there. He hasn't left us. He hasn't abandoned us. He's right there. And so what the psalmist is saying is that he felt secure walking through life with his shepherd because he knew no matter what the situation, whether discipline, whether correction, whether guidance or rescue from any danger whatsoever, whatever it is, his personal provider and protector was right there with him all the time. 
That's good to know. Then he says, here's the abiding result of this. They comfort me. I want you to see the context. He said, they comfort me even as we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Even as we go through all of these extreme circumstances and difficulties, oh, never look up and say, oh, God, where are you? He's right there. Reach out and touch him. He's right there. This doesn't free us from problems and difficulties, but it gives us the peace, the satisfaction that our good shepherd is right there to help us through them for his glory, for his reputation. Wouldn't you like to help to make Jesus' resume look good? Keep on the right path. He says, you anoint my head with oil. We have the confidence then of restoration in time of trouble. This is a symbol or metaphor of restoration, healing, revitalization in times of hardship, of fatigue, and just plain tiredness. And sometimes we get tired, don't we? Sometimes we get weary. Sometimes it all... Paul talks about the precious of church life, the precious of the churches putting upon him. We find those precious in our lives in different ways. They come our way. Life can be tiresome both physically and spiritually, exhausting at times. We can face health issues, financial hardships, emotional setbacks, opposition in ministry, or as Paul says, overcome with the pressures of the church the good news is this our shepherd is there for us to refresh to restore and to revitalize oil is a symbol of the holy spirit john tells us as he is our anointing he really says that the holy spirit is our anointing so in actuality the spirit of god is our strength and our source of victory over anyone or anything that may seek to hinder us in accomplishing God's will in our lives. Your Holy Spirit, you can paraphrase, comforts me, restores me, strengthens me. David said we can be confident of that fact, that no matter what we go through, God can take care of us. He can give us life again. We're sick. In the, the, then 6, he says, we have the certainty of the abundant life. Say, my cup runs over. King James, my cup runneth over. This actually is a symbol of life. He's speaking about the abundant life. He's telling us that the one who has Christ has abundant life. And that abundant life is experienced at all times as we follow the shepherd. So what David is saying here is that he is experiencing life to the overflow even in times of difficulty, even as he goes to the valley of the shadow of death. He is experiencing the abundant life in Jesus Christ. His life is overflowing with joy and faith and trust. Why? Because Yahweh is my shepherd. 
That's what we have. When we have Jesus. The abundant, all-fulfilling life is ours in Him. The sheep is safe, secured, and 100% satisfied under the watch care of His ever-present shepherd. The sheep doesn't long for what he does not need or have. He has found that he has all he could ever need and more because he has Yahweh as his personal guide, his personal provider, his personal protector, and he is always there with him. My friends, that's what we have when we have Jesus. And then we have the assurance of abiding love. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. A paraphrase of that. Surely the loving kindness of God will, um, what's the word? It's like a little puppy following its master whom he has come to love because he knows he takes care of him. So we have the loving kindness of God doggedly following us all the time. That's the idea. Just following. This protector. This provider. This comforter. Doggedly following in his pathway. Following his way because we know that we are safe under his leadership. We are cared for 100%. Following right after him, lapping at his heels because he has met our needs. In John chapter 10, Jesus describes it as going in and out to find pastures. Actually, that's the scene here. The journey out from the pen and coming back again. In and out to find pasture, fellowship, provision, enjoying one another. That's the idea here. He says that, finally, David says um, that he summarizes the entire psalm. And he tells us that when we have Jesus, we have the conviction of the shepherd's abiding presence. Because that's the whole theme of the passage. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, this is where we get the idea that we're going to die and go to heaven forever. That's true, my friends. But that is not what is being taught here specifically, although it could be implied. In context, David has the complete assurance, presence of God because Yahweh is his shepherd. He will never be out of his care, never out of his presence, never out of his protection, never out of his provision because he's always there. The house of the Lord literally is translated the tabernacle or, prayer or palace of the Lord. It is used as a metaphor of symbol of God's presence. And in the context of the sheep and the shepherd, the sheepfold was the master's house. This is where they found protection. This is where they were secure. This is where they felt good. And even out in the, even out in the trails with all of the enemies around, 
They were still thinking of the care and the protection that the shepherd provides. They take them out of it, and he brings them back into it. And he knows they will always experience that because of the ever-abiding presence of the shepherd. This is the relationship of the believer and Christ seen from the believer's perspective. Or in the turn to the psalm, there's the perspective of the sheep. Do you have him? My friends, the shepherd? Jesus? We read about him, we talk about him in John 10. But I just want to ask you one question. Is Yahweh, Jesus, your shepherd? If he's not, none of these things that we talked about are yours. But if he is, then all of them are yours. The Lord, Yahweh, is my personal feeder, protector, comforter. All that I need, I find in my shepherd. Is he yours? I trust that he is. Bow with me in a word of prayer. Father, what more can we say? For those of us who have Jesus, we have all that we need. Help us to always trust him then, no matter what the situation may be, that he is there to provide protection and care and provide all of our basic needs. Father, if there's anyone here who has not yet placed faith in this good shepherd, please touch their hearts right now so that they might place their faith in him and be able to say, the Lord is my shepherd. And all of God's people said, Amen. Thank you, Pastor, for that encouraging word again this morning. We come to that part in our service when we give back to the Lord a portion of that which he has entrusted to us. If you're visiting with us this morning, I don't want you to feel uh, compelled to give in any way. But if you feel like worshiping the Lord in this way, feel free to do so. Let's, let us pray. Father, we, we thank you for your word, which is quick, powerful, and sharp. And for our time together today, and Father, as we pause now to give back to you just a small portion of that which you have entrusted to us, I would ask, O oh God, that you will use it for the furtherance of your gospel and that those who disperse these funds will do so in the way that you would have it done. And we will be careful to give you all the praise, all the honor, and the glory. For we ask it in Christ's name and for his sake.